We started a series last week called Where's, Where's Trust, okay? Um, Where's Trust? And, and in this, and, and last week we talked about anger. And what I was trying to point out, so, so we're going to talk about um, things such as anger, um, envy, bitterness, jealous, or anger, bitterness, uh, uh, control, and things like that. We're not really talking about anger per se. Today we're not really going to talk about envy per se, but we're talking about when we see those things within our lives, it, we need to really stop and take a look because it could be indicating a symptom of something much deeper, and that's, that's our trust in Jesus is, is off. When we have anger, with, and, and, and not just to the point where we say, well, the Bible says don't, don't, you know, when you get angry, don't sin, so then our relationship is off when we sin. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about why are we angry? And a lot of times we're angry, like we talked last week, because we don't get our way. And why don't we get our way? Because we want something. And at the end of the day, and like with all, a lot of this, you can look back to, your, to our relationship with Christ and we can say, well, you know, and ultimately what we're communicating is this. What I've got in my life is not good enough. What Jesus has given me is really not good enough. I need more and I can't get what I want. So I'm going to be, I get angry because I can't get that. So it really communicates if we're stop, if we just stop and think about it, these things can be symptoms of something that is off in our relationship with Jesus. Today we're going to talk about envy. Now, before we kind of jump into that, um, let me let me just uh, you know envy, jealous, comparing. Comparing is an absolute destructive tool of Satan. Whether you compare yourself with other people, whether you compare your spouse, your kids, whether you compare your job, whether you compare uh, your 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 tangible items, whether you compare your church, whatever it is. When you start comparing things, you're heading down a bad, bad path. A very bad path. And we're going to see this. Uh, in fact, we're going to look back into the book of James here in a few moments. That, that, that how destructive that is. Very, very destructive. And when we start feeling this need to compare, our relationship with Jesus is taking a hit, man. Something's off. And that's what I hope comes through today and how we correct that, okay? Because I don't want to just leave you with, hey, we've got a problem. Hey, go have a great Fourth of July, right? But hopefully there's those steps to say, okay, what do I do, man? Because, because I, I resonate, you know, I resonate with, I, I do have anger from time to time. And I want to know where it stems from and how, it's, how my relationship with Jesus is off in, in a sense. Because essentially it comes down to the trust issue. Do we trust Jesus or do we not? Today we're going to talk about envy. But I want to talk about, we live in a world that is a mastermind, I think, of a concept. It, it, it's, and when we talk about these concepts, I'm not saying it's a right or wrong, okay? It just is, right? And so I think sometimes we struggle with that. Like, you can have something that just is, right? Like, you know, uh, uh, for instance, like today I want to talk about marketing, okay? Marketing doesn't have to be negative, but it can be, right? I think marketing is one of the greatest tools of Satan because if you really think about it, marketing is what gets you down this path of comparing. Correct? Yes. Right. Thank you for agreeing with me. I really appreciate that. We're really in sync together this morning. But marketing could be something where we start down this path and we start comparing ourselves. Because if you think about this, the subliminal message comes through when you're, when you're, when you're watching TV or you're anything, any, any, any market, wherever it happens, it can be, it becomes so subliminal that after a while you're like, you know what? My life isn't complete because I don't have this. And if I had this, my life would be so much better. And furthermore, not only do I not have this, I know some people that's got this, 
And I want that too. Right? And that's what happens. We start comparing. We start looking. We start, we start saying, well, they've got it. And it goes back to, it goes back to like, uh, clear back in the Old Testament. If you remember the story with, with, um, the nation of Israel, they were like, well, we need a king. Right? If you, if you've studied that passage of scripture, they said, we need a king. And, and the prophet Samuel comes and says, what, what are you talking about? God is your king. This is a theocracy. This isn't, this isn't a monarchy. This is a theocracy where God is your king. Well, we need a king. Well, why do you need a king? Because everybody else has one. Doesn't that sound familiar? Read that story. That's literally what they say. Every other nation has one. Let me tag one more on there for you because I've heard this from people. Well, we just look, we're an embarrassment to them. We're an embarrassment to other people because we don't have a king. We must look like, you know, and whatever it is, fill in the gap. I've heard many people say that, even about church, even about element. Well, we must be an embarrassment because we don't have dot, dot, dot. And I'm thinking, embarrassment? That sounds like you've got too much of yourself tied up in, into this little, this little trail you've got, you're pursuing, and it's very dangerous. We compare, and it can lead us down a very, very bad path. But just listen to some of the, you know, this marketing thing and how subliminal it is. Now, I'm not this old, okay? But I'm going to take you back to a time period in the late 70s and early 80s, which I wasn't born yet, okay? But I've been told, I've been told these were some of the commercials at that time, okay? And I just thought it was funny whoever told me, right? Do you remember back in the day with the Ronco products? Huh? You don't remember? More? Some? Seriously. Hey, first of all, let me just say, exactly. Let me just say this though. If you have a bunch of Ronco products, tune me out for a second, okay? I'm not putting you down. I love you, okay? I just think it's kind of funny because when you kind of look back, you're like, those were kind of odd, right? Some of them. Let me just read, I'm going to read very quickly 10 of, you know what I'm talking about? The Ronco products, right? Okay, do you remember the GLH-9 hair in a can spray, right? Where you spray it on, it was really just uh, basically paint for a bald spot, right? How about the Chopomatic hand food processor? No, that's not too bad. That's kind of, you know. But the Chopomatic hand food processor, which was, which was the, pre, uh, the, pre, the predecessor to the Vegomatic and the Dialomatic, Okay. Then you had, remember the electric food hydrator, dehydrator? Do you remember these, do you remember these commercials? Okay, there we go. You guys just bought them, right? And you're like getting really tense right now, right? You compared, and that's what happened, okay? Um, the electric food, how about the, the, the rotisserie, the Showtime rotisserie, where itself, uh, was, was very iconic, but the tagline was, set it and forget it. That's awesome. And then someone said this. One of the ultimate Ronco products was the pocket fisherman. Exactly. The pocket fisherman. I even YouTube these when you get home, right? I YouTube this and it was kind of, I just kind of snickers on it. Yes, I remember that, you know. The pocket fisherman. It's that little product. Uh, that, in fact, honestly, the guy who came up with it, if you, if you do a little research. At, yeah, what is it? Yeah, exactly. He had two boats. Two big boats that were named after the pocket fisherman, right? So I don't know what we're laughing about, right? <laughs> yeah, this is silly. Yeah, oh, he's out on the boat having fun, right? How about this one? 
the inside the shell egg scrambler. You remember that one? Inside the shell egg scrambler. I'm not sure why you would need an inside the shell egg scrambler. Anyhow, how about the London Air hosiery? Right? They would never get a run. He would stand there and with with a with a with a yeah what? Yes, exactly, and, and show that there wouldn't be a run in it. Guys, men, Mr. Microphone. How many of you remember the Mr. Microphone? Remember the commercial? Hey, good looking, right? I'll be back and pick you up, right? Remember that? That worked well, didn't it? Some of you are like, man, my wife, that's how we got married, man. That's how we started dating. Then you had the, um, the camp or the cap snaffler, which will, you know, you can undo anything with it. Then the smokeless ashtray. And then the button ear. Remember the button ear? That you could put a button on something in seconds. And it showed, it showed like a grandma sitting there and they referred to the wives and grandmother sewing buttons on things and, you know, how much time that took and no longer do you need that. You got the button ear. Not only button ear one, but you have to also the button ear two. So this baby was, you know, so anyhow, those were some of the things. Now, one real quick, let me give you one more illustration. Remember on the other side too, there was another one, Ronco, and then you had the, KTEL products. Remember those? The KTEL products had the compilation albums. Remember those? Where they had all these with music compilation. But they also had the tape or record selector. You remember that? Where the commercial where you could, I should have loaded these commercials up real quick, where you barely touch it and the, 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 the albums kind of flip, you know, so you don't have to go through them like this. You know, they would do it for you. Very, very great product, right? You had the patty stacker for hamburgers. Um, and then, uh, again, just all the compilation albums. But those were some of the things that if you grew up in the late 70s and the early 80s, that was marketing. That was good old-fashioned marketing, man. I remember having a friend, his, his their folks bought some of these things. And I just thought it was kind of humorous, kind of, I don't know about it, humorous, but more intriguing. When I would look at, you know, kind of be like, wow, that's kind of intriguing, you know. Not sure I would buy one, but intriguing. Last but not least, and I don't really have, I didn't really think about this until now, but I remember growing up in the 70s and the infamous Pet Rock. You guys remember those? And how many, if you would raise your hand, bought a Pet Rock? Anyone? Did you guys buy one? A Pet Rock. And then you had the Pet Rock cemeteries and stuff like that. That right there, not to, yeah, I better not say anything, okay? Just the Pet Rock. We bought rocks back in the 70s and 80s, right? Anyhow, that's marketing. That's some good old-fashioned marketing for you. But marketing can put you in that spot that says, man, you need this. And if you don't have this, your life is not complete. I mean, that's what marketing is. Your life is not complete. This product will bring you value like you wouldn't believe. This product will put you over the top. And then if someone next to you got one uh, or, you know, whatever it is, and, and what can happen is, again, we start comparing ourselves and it's like, man, I need that. Next thing you know what can happen is it turns into this sense of envy. And, and in James, I'm going to look at James here real quick. In James chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, I want to take a look at what envy and jealousy, kind of, you know, when we start thinking about things like that, we start saying, you know, I, I really need, you know, I really, I want this, and it becomes very, very, we become very consumed with, with this notion. Listen to what James chapter 3 says, okay? So if you look, if you want to turn there with me in James chapter three, uh, we're going to read, I'm going to, I'm going to pick up in verse, um, I guess 14. I'll probably read, I might read a few more verses here, but uh, verse 14, listen to what it says. 
But if you have bitter envy, okay? If you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Now I'm reading from the, I'm reading from the Holman uh, Christian Standard, which I really like how, how they word that. It says, such wisdoms do not come down from above. It's earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's demonic. Now listen to this. Lean into this. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, I think those two go together. I think James is saying, you don't really split those apart. Envy is selfish ambition. It's this, it's this, I have, I've got to have this thing, and it becomes bitter, it, be, it consumes us. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. That's interesting. That's very interesting. James says, for whether it's envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy, and good fruits, unwavering, without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. You know, James is, is, is really just, I mean, really laying it out there. There's different types of wisdom in a sense. And he's saying, if you say that you've, this other, this other thing where you have this, you have this bitter envy and selfish ambition, that's not wisdom. That's not healthy. That's not good. That's not spiritual. That's very unspiritual. It's very, it's, it's demonic. It brings disorder. And all of those things. You and I, I mean, you, you, I bet you can think of d- different times maybe in your life, hopefully not, but maybe in your life or in other people's lives or even in situations where someone has become bitter, they become envious, and, and you know exactly what James is talking about. They, be, they had this sense of selfish ambition, and what it brought was destruction to themselves and to people around them. Nothing but destruction. And James is saying that's exactly, he, I mean, communicates to us. That's, that's what happens. If we're not careful, if we start comparing ourselves with other individuals, if we start, if we become consumed with this sense of envy and bitterness and, and, and selfish ambition, it's going to be destructive. And it's going to destroy things in us and around us. But he says, he goes on to say that when that's, that's not the, that's not what we're pursuing. What we're pursuing is something else. Heavenly wisdom, heavenly motivation or ambition, it produces peace and righteousness. It, which, which, which brings content. Do you see how this, we, we, we can tell our, our trust is off in Jesus? If I trust Jesus, I look, I, I, in my relationship, I'm looking at Jesus and I'm saying, I, I'm not going to compare myself to someone else because I'm complete. I've, the things that Jesus has blessed me with is what He's blessed me with. That's who He made me. That's how He made me. This is how, this is, this is it. And I'm gonna live in, in, in the, in the context of which, of which He made me. And I trust Him. I trust that I don't need these other things. That's not a need, that's a want. And I'm not gonna compare myself. I'm not gonna become envious. I'm not gonna have selfish ambition. I'm not going to allow it to bring destruction within my lives, within my life, or people's lives around me. So, first thing I want to share with you is the definition of envy. And the second, this, the, the definition of envy that we're looking at here is this. It's when we begin to resent God's blessings in other people's lives. There are times when other people have things that we look at them and we put them down because they have those things. We may judge them. Well, they've got that stuff, so they can't be spiritual. They can't be trusting Jesus. They're all about this stuff. 
You don't know that. You don't know what God has blessed them with. You don't know God how God has blessed them with resources. You know, often we'll say, well, someone's got a lot of money. You know, they're not really, they don't really have to trust God and all this other stuff. We, we, you don't know that. At the end of the day, we do not know the heart of that other person. Now, we may see the fruit of them. I get that. But if we're not careful, we can, be, we can become resenting of other individuals because they have something that I don't have. They have something that we don't have. Scott's up here playing, writing music and playing. Melissa's same thing. Pat on the drums and all these other things. And in church, we can become envious. I wish I had that. Well, what did God give you? And we can become resenting of other people. Wow, they get to do that and I don't. And we can become resenting and it becomes destructive and disorder comes in and, and begins to destroy things in us and around us. The second thing is this. It, we begin to ignore and overlook blessings in our lives. What has God blessed you with? You know, if, if there's this sense of envy, man, put a check mark or circle it within your life to say something's off. Something's off. If you have a bitter spirit, something is off. And perhaps it's not something external. Perhaps it's something internal. Perhaps you're struggling in your trust in your relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the one that you're submitting to the Lordship of, not someone else. Don't resent what other people have. Don't resent what God has given you. Because at the end of the day, when you start comparing, what you're saying is, what God has blessed me with is not good enough. Well, I would never say that. That's how you're acting. That's how it comes out. James is saying that's how it manifests itself within our lives. It's demonic. It's unspiritual. It's, it brings disorder. It brings destruction. Listen to what Proverbs says. A heart at peace gives life to the body. A heart at peace gives life to the body. But envy rots the bones. You have probably been around someone that has been bitter their whole life. And you look at them and you're like, you feel sorry for them. And you're like, how can they live their life that way? How can they live their life that way? How can they, how can they continue? And it's almost like they don't even know it. It's like they have no self-realization. It's like they have no conviction. It's like they have no, that maybe they've been living in it for so long that literally that has become them. And they're literally rotting away with someone with a horrible disposition, and you really don't even want to be around them. And it's very sad. It just rots the person from the inside out. Hebrews talks about, the author of Hebrews talks about that too. Listen to what Socrates says, and, and he makes a statement and says this. Uh, the philosopher Socrates, he says this. Envy is the daughter of pride, the author of murder and revenge, the perpetual tormentor of virtue. Envy is the filthy slime of the soul a venom, a poison, which consumeth the flesh and drieth up the bones. That's pretty graphic. And yet, that's exactly what happens. Guys, if you're a believer in here, this isn't how we've been called to live. And we've got to be careful. Satan cannot, if you have salvation... I don't believe Satan can rip that away from you. I mean, I believe that, 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 that God protects you. I believe that God is there for you, that God protects you. But I want to tell you something. Satan can literally make your life hell. And Satan can get a hold of you, and he can, burn, he can deceive you. And if you're sitting in here deceived, it, it, you're, you're, it, this can just literally rot you in from the inside, from the inside out. 
your trust in Jesus is off. And this just literally destroys, literally from the inside out, just literally consumes you. So, let me ask this question. What does it tell me about my trust in Jesus? Well, a couple things. And this is what I think you can do a check, kind of think about this to say, okay, is this something within my life? What does it tell me about my trust in Jesus? One of the first things it tells us is we're not denying ourselves. It, and a few a few months ago, we talked about this in the passage in Luke where Jesus, and we did a message where the title was uh, Deny, Carry, Follow. Remember that? That very first word, deny, means we deny ourselves. It means we, you know, I, I think it's in Colossians where Paul talks about uh, like our desires and things being crucified to the cross. That's exactly what we need to do. We need to crucify our desires, those human desires, that, that war that rages within that Paul talks about in Romans, that, that, that those two natures conflicting our spiritual and our, and our, and our human nature, like conflicting inside of ourselves. We've got to be very careful because if we don't, if we allow the humanness to carry over, it literally, it just, it, it, it begins to eat us from the, it can eat us from the inside out. So Satan may come to you even as a follower and you're off because you're not denying yourself. You're not denying yourself. And if we're not denying ourselves, it means that we be, we're, we're, we're living in the spirit of Satan because Satan is very selfish. Satan is all about himself, pride, all these other things. That's what the spirit of Satan is. And when we're, not, we're not denying our humanness, ourselves in a sense, ourself, we are giving into that. And that's where envy, that's where comparison, that's where these things can emerge. Our our relationship with Jesus, our trust in Jesus is not, it's not there. It's off someplace and it's destroying you. We may fall to the deception and we would never say this, but we fall to the deception that Jesus doesn't really know what I need. I need this and I'm going to go after this and I'm going to commit my life to getting this because I know it'll make me happy. In Isaiah chapter 13, verses 12 through 15, you read about God talking to Satan. And you read about, that. you just see the pride oozing out where, where God says, this is what you said. I will ascend to the heights. I will do this. I will do that. And God says, how foolish. You have fallen. And you're cast into, into hell, into Sheol. But this selfish ambition, it's, you know, James says this selfish ambition, this bitter envy, it brings disorder in every evil practice. If we're not careful and we don't detect this within our lives and we allow it to just become part of us, this, it, it, there's nothing that will, it's almost like there's nothing that will stop us to get what we want and regardless of it, if it brings destruction or not, we're, we are going after it. I wonder how, you know, one of the things I thought about too with, with this, even within the context of the church, and I think you see this a lot, I wonder how many people kind of cheat on their spiritual gifts inventories. We kind of joke about that because it's like, but I wonder how many people do. You know what I'm talking about? God has given each and every one of us a gift. Some of us are utilizing those gifts. Some of us we may not know. And we're we're not really searching for that because right now it's not important, I guess. I don't know. Maybe some of us don't realize that God has given us a gift and you need to discover it. But, But those gifts are given to you as a follower of Jesus to bring God glory. To be utilized to edify the body. To be to be brought in to bring God glory to edify one another. And to lift each other up. And if it becomes personal... 
it becomes, well, it's going to edify me. And what can happen is with spiritual gifts, we kind of know where they're going. When we sit down and we try to help someone discover where their spiritual gifts are at, where they lie, you can kind of look at an inventory and kind of tell where it's going, right? Anybody that takes one. And you say, well, I really want to be a teacher. You can make it happen. Well, here's my gift. I'm a teacher. But yet, when we teach, it's like, you're not a teacher. But that's what you really want to be. I'm not a singer. I'm not, I can't play the guitar or what, you know, whatever it is, but that's what I really want. And it's like, it just begins, and I wonder how many of us have, have, have kind of cheated instead of saying, you know what? This is how God is, has blessed me. This is how God has blessed me. So, so if there's something there, please, it's an opportunity to take a look at your trust in Jesus and not just relying on Him, um, to define or not just relying on Him to obtain the, the, the needs that you define. Does that make sense? That you've defined. So, how? How do we look at this? Number one, I think we look at this, we, can, we look at it by, say, by looking about how we were designed and truly understand that, that I am specifically designed. Each and every person sitting in here was wonderfully and creatively made. Okay, Psalm 139 talks about this. Go back and read Psalm 139. I believe it gives powerful context to say that you were created powerfully and wonderfully the way God wanted to create you. There's, there's no one sitting in here that's a mistake. I don't care what the world tries to tell you. I don't care. I mean, I, I do not believe that at all. I don't believe if if you look at things and you say, well, according to this, this, and this, and it may appear, it may appear like you're a mistake. I don't believe that one bit because God is an all-knowing God. And I believe God has, you are special in the eyes of God, and I believe God has created each and every one of us in His image. I don't believe we all follow Him and explore that and submit our lives to His Lordship, but I believe every single person is specifically designed and specifically gifted. You are not a mistake. God was aware of you before you were even born. Psalm 139 clearly talks about that. David says, before I was even knit in the womb of my mother, before I became into existence, you knew about me. That's very powerful. That's very powerful. God loves you. God loves each and every person. And the thing that He wants more than anything, if you're not following Him, is to have that reconciliation, to, to, to allow Him to have, to have your life because He has so much that He wants to bless you with, so much that He wants to give you. If you've given your life and you've submitted to your life and you're submitted your life to Jesus, there's so much that God wants to do. He wants to continue to draw you in deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And at times it's painful because we're growing through moments, but God wants to refine you and make you into the person that He's created you to be. Listen to what Galatians chapter four or chapter six verse four says in the message. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. God has blessed each and every one of you sitting in here this morning, whether you recognize that or not. God has blessed you and gifted you and wonderfully created you to be who you are. Be that person. Grow in your walk with Christ. 
Submit your life to Christ. Live under the Lordship of Jesus. Do everything you can to allow God to, to, to just to, 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 to uh, conform you more into His image. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back as I close with just a couple more, just a couple quick points here. Um, the, sec- the next one is this. Praise God's activity in others. Guys, to bring God glory means that as you look around, you recognize everything is created to bring God glory. When you look at nature, it's, we refer to that as general revelation. Where God created this. That's why Rome, why Paul says in Romans, and I've shared this with you before, that's why in Romans, where Paul says this, they were without excuse. Those who say they didn't know God or don't know God are without excuse because he's referring to general revelation. When you just look out, when you look at, when you look at, um, astro- astronomy, I'm getting those tied up now, astronomy and astrology. I am not talking about astrology, okay? When you look at astronomy and you just, or even like the way, uh, you know, our, 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 the way we are created, our biology and all of those things, it, to say, to say that there's not a God is, I, I, I just really think you have to have an, an enormous amount of faith to make that statement. We live in a day where everything goes towards chaos and yet they want to tell us that at creation everything went to order? Wow, that takes a huge step of faith. But when you look at things, you see, you see God's hand, general revelation. Praise God's activity in others. Listen to what Romans 12, 15 through 16 says. Laugh when you're happy, uh, laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. He goes on to say, get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Look at people and celebrate where God is moving within their lives. Look into them and say, and don't let them cop out. If you have friends, don't let them cop out and say, well, I'm not, you know, I'm just who I am. No, you're not. God has created you to be something more than who you are. God has created you to be something incredibly special. You're not an accident. You're not some fluke. You're not, you're none of that. You are, you are wonderfully, wonderfully made in the image of God. Live in that image of God. Praise God's activity in others. Breathe it into them. Fan that into flame. And just give God glory by what He's doing in other individuals uh, and what He has done in other individuals. Last, praise God's activity in your life. Holy cow, I've talked to people um, time and time and time again. And when they finally come to Christ, when they finally realize that God has been pursuing them their whole lives, they look back and they said, you know what? There's been a lot of times back here that God spared my life. That God was moving in my life. And they start recounting their life. And they're like, I could have been dead here, 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 and here. And if I would have been dead here and here and here, I would not have known Christ. I would have spent eternity separated from God. Praise God's activity in your life. Some of you have that story where you look at it and you're like, wow, God spared me. These weren't just coincidences. These weren't just some happenstance. God was moving in my life even back here so that I could have this incredible relationship with Him. He's gifted me. He's created me to be me. And He's got so much more for me as I grow and learn in Him. Listen to this last passage found in Titus. Uh, chapters 3, verses 3 through 8 in the message. It says this. It wasn't so long that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn. I love Eugene Peterson, the way he just cuts to the core. 
It wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn, dupes of sin, ordered every which way by our glands, going around with a chip on our shoulder, hated and hating back. But when God, our kind and loving Savior God, stepped in, He saved us from all of that. It was all His doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good path and we came out of it new people. We were washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with Him and given us back our lives. And there's more life to come. An eternity of life. You can count on this. I want to tell you something. If that passage of Scripture doesn't get you moving, you need to ask yourself the question, where's the trust? Where's the trust? God is so merciful and gracious and wants to bless each and every one of us with so much. But it may not be the things that we say that we need. When we start comparing and we start having this this bitter, bitter envy within inside of us. Guys, if there is a twinge of that inside of you, would you please... Not for my sake, but for your sake. Would you please allow the Holy Spirit to connect with your heart? As we close, we always want to create a time for that. That's why we always do one last song, is to create a moment after the message, after all the stuff that we've done, to help communicate God who God is, and to bring God glory and praise, we always want to have one last song. That's why we close with one last song. is to have that moment to respond. But that's up to you. God's here. The Holy Spirit is here. There's no way anyone, if you want to, I would be more than willing to dialogue with you. But there's no way you will ever convince me that the Spirit of God is not here. What I do believe is that the Spirit of God is here and at times... Our hearts are closed and we won't allow Him to communicate to us. I pray that that wouldn't be us this morning. I pray that you would not be distracted right now, but I pray that instead that you would be, you would put yourself in a vulnerable position, opening your heart to God and allowing God to connect with your spirit to say, hey, you know, where am I at? Am I envious? Am I, do I compare? Am I, do I have anger? Do I have some of these things that would indicate that my trust in you, Jesus, is off? And I pray that you would allow the Spirit of God to just connect and you would respond obediently to how He would have you to respond. Why don't you stand with me? Let me lead us to one last word of prayer before we sing and have a time of response. Jesus, You are all-powerful. We sang about you being the lion and the lamb. We sang about how you break, that you fight our battles. We sang about how this, 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 this new song about, about carry us, take us, carry me, take us. Father, I pray that that is the spirit that you would find in this room right now. That our hearts would be sensitive, our hearts would be open. Father, that where we may be struggling in that, in that trust aspect with you, that, that, that we would come clean and we would allow you to just lean in on us. And Father, it's not, you're not coming in to destroy us. You're not coming in to, 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 to punish us. You're coming in with grace and mercy and love. I pray there wouldn't be any distractions right now. I know Satan does not want any, any, anything positive to happen out of this service right now, this time, this space. 
I pray that you would remove distractions. I pray that you would remove spirits that may be in this room, that maybe some of us have brought in spirits of confusion, frustration, discouragement, depression, whatever it may be, anxiety, whatever it is, Father, spirits that doesn't come from you. Unspiritual, demonic spirits, I pray, would not have freedom in this room at all because your presence is here. And the weight of your glory is on us. Break walls, I pray. Break chains. Break bondage that is keep that keeps us from living in the life that you so desperately want to bless us with. May we surrender here this morning our hearts, our wills. May we give it all to you. And it's in your powerful name, the powerful name of Jesus, that we pray these things. Amen.